Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Would you go ahead and grab your Bibles, head over to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're at verse uh, 8 and 9. Uh, we've covered the first seven over the last few uh, couple of weeks. And so I'm going to pick it up where we left off in verses 8 and 9. While you head over to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, I want to uh, just kind of point the obvious out to you right here. Uh, we've got this thing set up. This is a reminder, hopefully, um, to come back tonight. Be part of our celebration service. We're excited because tonight at 7 o'clock, if you have not made one of these, you're missing out. I want, you, I want to make sure that you're coming back for, for this service. It is a great time of worship, of celebration. Not only do we celebrate here, but the heavens celebrate. We have people coming uh, and being baptized, declaring before you and God that they're choosing to follow Jesus and everything that they do. And so it is a massive celebration. Make sure that you come back for that. And then, of course, I want to see you come back next week. Uh, guys, uh, listen to me one, one second, okay? Next Sunday is Mother's Day, okay? You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it's Mother's Day, and so we've got some big festivities planned for our moms next Sunday, so make sure you come back with them, celebrate them uh, next Sunday. So did I give you enough time to find 1 Peter 1, 8, 9? Hopefully. Uh, this is where we left off last week. We're going to pick it up. Uh, it says this in verse 8, talking about God. It says, you love him. We love God, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. I love the fact that this was written a couple thousand years ago and it's just as relevant today as it was back then. And maybe in some ways it's even more relevant because we're, we're thousands of years removed from Jesus being here. And what it says is that you love him even though you've never seen him. But you know he's real, you know he, this, this is true, and, and you love him because he first loved you. And then, of course, it says that you trust him or you, you believe in him, even though you don't see him now. And this is kind of what we're going to be celebrating tonight with these baptisms. People making this step of faith, right? Because that's what faith is, believing in what you can't see. And yet it says because you do that, uh, you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. Now, why is that so important? Why, why, when we put our faith, when we put our trust in him, when we, when we love him, we have this inexpressible joy? Why is that? Well, it's because, verse 9, says the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Because when we place our trust in him, we are secure in him. Not just here, but for eternity. This is why Jesus came, so that he could right what was wrong, that sin problem that we had in our lives. And when we receive Christ, we are made right in, in that relationship. And not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we have eternal life with him. That's what this living hope is really about. If you want to cut to the chase, you would say that this living hope means that no matter what happens today, no matter what happens tomorrow, that we are secure in Christ, that we will spend eternity with him. So whatever we go through is not going to change that. We are secure in him. Uh, as we said in the last couple of weeks, as Christians, we don't hope. We have hope. We have this living hope 
uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, grab uh, or head over to Habakkuk chapter 2. I took you to a passage last week. Um, we were in Habakkuk chapter 1 and 2. Today, actually, let's go to 3, chapter 3, verse 2. I want to pick up there where we left off as well because I think there's some lessons there for us today as we wrap up this series. Uh, this whole series has been about hope, yes, but specifically about hope when it feels like we don't have any. Hope when we're struggling, when we're, we're suffering, we're going through pain. And where this hope comes from is so important for us to understand. We have to establish this. If you were here on Easter two weeks ago, you know the, the way that we said it back then was this. We said we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that God sent his son, that he died on the cross for us, he rose again, gives us this living hope that nothing and no one can take away from us. Uh, that's why I believe as Christians, we should be the people that walk around with so much joy, that inexpressible joy. And, and it, it should be a light in a very, very dark world because we understand the living hope that we have, not just someday, but for right here and right now. And we said that, uh, you know, so often when we enter into these trials, when we go through suffering in our lives, even as believers, um, we sometimes struggle. We go into a tailspin and we have three options. We either walk away from our faith, which again, last week I, I challenged you, please don't do that. God would rather you be upset with him and question him and yell at him than to walk away from him. And so we said, don't do that one. And then the second option that you have is to endure. And we said, well, that's an option, but it's not a very good one because we're just trying to survive. We're not learning what God wants to teach us in the midst of that suffering or that trial or that pain. And we encourage you actually to take option three, which is to embrace it just to lean into it, to embrace it, to look for what God is teaching you, how he's molding and shaping you, how he's going to grow you up in, in this season of suffering or grieving or whatever it is that you're going through. Uh, last week, we said that you know, when we go through these trials, that uh, we, we struggle because we're not exactly sure what steps to take. And, and through the book of Habakkuk last week, and Habakkuk was a very interesting prophet because he did the opposite of what all the other prophets do. Uh, prophets many times would speak to the people on behalf of God, but Habakkuk actually speak to God on behalf of the people. And we saw a bunch of his complaints. And through his complaints and the way that God responded to him, we saw that when we're going through a trial, there's a few things that we can actually do. Like Habakkuk gave us some steps to take when we're struggling. And, and the first step that he gave us was just to listen, to listen to God. Yes, make your, you know, make your request known. Uh, ask the questions. That's okay. God's big enough. He can handle those things. But then listen. Take some time to listen to what God would say to you or the direction that he would give you. And then secondly, I, I challenge you to write it down because we forget a lot of the time. You need to write it down so that you refer back to it later. And then the third one was just to wait, to wait on God. And the reason all this is so important is because our, our memories are so interesting, aren't they? I mean, the way that we remember things, sometimes we can remember something uh, from, from years ago, and then we can't even remember what we had for lunch yesterday. It's kind of a strange thing, isn't it, this, this memory thing? Uh, when you look at memory, what you find out is there's a couple of things that need to take place if it's going to burn itself into our memory. If we're going to remember it, we're going to hang on to it. Uh, the first one is significance. If there's something of significance in our lives, many times we'll remember it. It will take a place in our memory. And I don't know about you, but for me, it seems like I don't have a whole lot of, of data 
up there, right? And so it's limited, and so uh, what sticks in my memory has to be very important, things like birthdays, right? Things like anniversary dates. Uh, yeah, guys, you should remember that. Um, social security numbers, we remember those because those are significant. Uh, you know what's taking up some of my data is uh, when I was in high school, and this is back in the day when you had to actually punch the, the number in, remember that? Uh, some of you young people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, yes, uh, you had to call them, actually push their number, their, push the buttons. Uh, I still remember uh, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, thank goodness, but I still remember her phone number from when we were in high school because it was significant to me, right? Every afternoon I'd get home, I'd call her, right? And so I still remember that phone number. Um, and now, another thing that can help you remember is frequency, like the repetition, if you do it over and over again, sometimes it will, it will stamp into your memory, uh, like your pen for your debit card, right? Or passwords for your emails. Um, but see, those are a little bit more slippery. Sometimes we lose those because they don't have enough significance. Uh, something else that helps memory is if, uh, if you have a moment in your life that's really, really good, like you'll remember that. Or just the opposite of that, unfortunately, right? Uh, a time that was really, really bad, it will Im imprint on your memory. Uh, I was asking my wife about this a few days ago as I was going over this message for today, and, and I just asked her, I said, do you have a memory, like a really, really bad memory that you just recall everything, like everything like it was yesterday? And she's like, absolutely. The day we got the phone call that her brother had been involved in a fatality, uh, a fatal motorcycle accident, she said, when we got that phone call, I remember everything. I remember the questions that we asked. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what you were wearing. Like, she remembers the entire thing because it was just imprinted on her memory because we asked a couple of questions, and the answer came back just the opposite of what we were hoping and praying for, and that imprinted on her memory. Uh, maybe you have one of those. Uh, I asked her, I said, do you have a good memory from when you were a kid? And without even thinking, like, she didn't even have to go back to the database. She just pulled it right up. She's like, oh, yeah. When I was five years old, like, for my fifth birthday, she said, my dad took me to the grocery store, and he let me pick out my own birthday cake when I was five years old. And she said, I picked, I went through all the cakes. I picked my birthday cake out. We went home, and I loved what she said. She said, we walked through the door, and my mom saw it, and my mom was upset about the cost of that cake. And she said, I knew in that moment I picked the right cake. Right? This is what happens. We, we, uh, our memories, they, they work so differently. And, and why am I talking about memory? Why are we taking this stroll down memory lane this morning? Well, it's because I want you to know that we've been talking about maintaining hope in the midst of difficult times. And one of the greatest aids that we have of getting through some of these trials in life is our memory, is remembering. And Habakkuk tells us that in chapter 3. Habakkuk, actually, uh, if you weren't here last week, he's, he's this interesting prophet. He was complaining to God, and he's like, hey, God, are you paying attention to what's going on? Your people are in a bad way. All this misery, suffering, God, would you please do something? You haven't done anything, and I know you can. Like, you're powerful enough. You can change this whole scenario, and he's crying out to God. He's got these complaints, and God answers him, and he says, hey, I'm about to do something that you're not going to believe, and finally, Habakkuk's like, awesome. God's going to respond but yet God responds in a different way. He says, um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up your hated enemy, and they're going to come in, and they're going to wipe you out. Uh, many of you are going to die. We're going to take the rest of you slaves. And he's like, whoa, time out. That's not what I was praying for, right? 
We talked last week about how sometimes we ask questions and God gives us the answer and we don't like the answer. And Habakkuk um, gets that response. But yet, um, in chapter 3, it's starting to set in. And we see Habakkuk change a little bit. He just kind of turns a corner. And he begins talking about what he remembers, this memory thing. Take a look at this. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. It says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. From there on, Habakkuk in this entire chapter, this is the last chapter of this book, by the way, It's just nothing but a prayer that Habakkuk is praying to God. And he goes on to list a lot of places and a lot of events and things that have happened that remind him of God's faithfulness. And maybe that's the same for you. Like you can think back and if somebody named a place or if they said an event, it would bring back a rush of memories, like things that you could remember, uh, good times, bad times, whatever it is. Like if I, if I told my son, I said, hey, uh, the Los Animas River in Durango, July 8th, 2004, he would automatically go, that was my baptism. That was my baptism. I remember that. If you told me like 1202 Quincy, South Quincy Avenue in Ottumwa, Iowa, man, I would have a, just a flood of memories come back because that was my grandparents' address. I spent summers there. I, I, I spent many, many Christmases there with them. And I would have all these floods of memories coming back. Places mean something to us. Uh, if I ask some of you, not all of you, I have to recognize that now because we've gotten far enough removed. But it's interesting to me, some of you, if I said 9-11, what comes back to your memory, right? You could probably tell me exactly where you were at. You could tell me who you were with, what was going on. You remembered when the first plane hit the tower, right? Remember when the first tower fell? You could tell me where you were at and what you were doing. It's amazing. Um, Now, I I think years from now, one of the things that we'll be able to say is COVID. And we'll go back to, man, remember that? Two years ago? 20 years ago, right? Right? You remember what happened when, when we decided we were going to lock down and everybody was like, I don't know about this, but okay, we're, if this helps, let's go for two and a half weeks to, to flatten the curve, right? And so we moved into this thing, remember that? And I think people are going to remember that. Like That's going to be one of those memories that we're going to have. And that's what Habakkuk is doing here. He's remembering what God has done long ago by naming places and events and things like that because it reminds him that what God has done in the past means that he can handle whatever's next. That's why memory is so important. I think Habakkuk is telling us that when you want to find hope in the midst of your trial, if you're really struggling right now and you're like, God, I just need some hope, the first step that you need to make is you need to remember what God has done, what, what he's done in the past. Uh, memory is a funny thing. It, it is. Scientists tell us that one of the most powerful ways that, that we can remember is by what they call sense memory. You smell something, or, or you touch something, or you hear something, and it reminds you of something, right? Uh, smells, like a certain perfume. You'll remember, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's your grandmother, right? You smell clothes, and it reminds you of something, or, or a certain food is being cooked, and it takes you back to a point in time, and you remember things. For me, I've got some odd ones, like uh, burning tires. Like if I, if I smell burnt rubber... It takes me right back to my, my high school years. My, my dad, my brother, and I spent all that time at the drag strip. 
and we smell burning tires all the time. And I love it. Like, I just love it. And it's a horrible smell, but it's like awesome because it just takes me back. I got all these great memories that go with that. Um, baby powder. If I walk down this hallway right here and walk into the nursery and I smell baby powder, it takes me right back to my early 20s when my wife and I were barely making it and we were stuck in this little bitty condo and we had, you know, we brought our son home. We finally got to bring a child home. And you walked into his room and you could smell baby powder. And it just takes me right back to that moment in time. And I love it. And I find myself, when I smell baby powder, here's what I do. Thank you, God, for my two sons. Thank you. There's something amazing about smell. It brings back memories. You know, songs can do the same thing. Songs can take you back to a moment in time that can remind you of something. Uh, we were at uh, Subway here just a couple of months ago. We had a pastor's meeting. We decided, you know, it's lunchtime. Let's go eat some Subway sandwiches and let's have our meeting at Subway, which was a big mistake. Because we showed up down there, and they were playing like the best of the 90s music. And every song that came on, we were all like singing. We were doing the lyrics, you know. And then we were talking about where we were at when that song came out, what it reminded us of. And we had this whole, just the, this, this meeting that we didn't get any work done. But we talked about our childhood and growing up and, and all the different songs. And it was so funny because one of the pastors actually had to stop on the way out and had to ask the lady, hey, what was the name of that playlist real quick so they could look it up, right? Because it was bringing back all these floods of memories. Uh, for me, when I was growing up, we were, um, we were gearheads. We were always working on street rods and, and muscle cars and stuff in the garage and turning wrenches. And my dad was always into oldies. He had like all the 50s and 60s, you know, Beach Boys and CCR and all that stuff playing in the garage. And it, it imprinted on my brain. It's so funny because even years down the road now, I can't even go out and change the oil on my car without putting some oldies on in the, in the garage because it takes me right back to my, my early, early days. Do you know worship songs can do the same thing for you? Many of you, I know, you're like me. You go through a difficult time, and there's be, there'll be one song that will stick out, whether it's something we sing on a Sunday morning or something you hear on the radio, and it will, it will imprint itself on you. Uh, there was a moment uh, several years ago when I was just going through a difficult time, and there was a song I was hanging on to, and there was one line in that song. It was the one line that I held on to. It, it was, one drop of your blood is like an ocean of grace. Man, I held on to that. I needed that in that moment. It helped me get through that season. And now when I hear it, it takes me right back to that. Uh, there's a song here recently that we've been just, it's turned into the cry of our heart. And it says, all, all of my hope is in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come in the name of Jesus. God, turn it around. And I've been hanging on to that. That's become our prayer. That's become our cry. And you know what's interesting is when you hear that song later on, whatever it is for you, whether it's, it's on a Sunday morning or driving down the road, hearing it on the radio, it reminds you. It reminds you. It takes you back to that moment when you were going through whatever it was. And it reminds you that God moved and worked in that moment. It lifts you up. It bolsters your faith. It reminds you that God took care of that years ago and he can take care of whatever it is that you're going through now. See, I think we need to use this as a reminder to help us just to, to remember what God has done in the past, that he didn't abandon us, that he was there, even though we couldn't see him, we didn't know what he was going to do, but yet down the road we look back on it and we go, God was there all along and he took care of it. I think we need to learn how to remember. We need to learn how to respond like the author of Lamentations 3. I want you just to look at what he says here and see if you relate to this. Because this is hard, man. This is a tough chapter. And maybe you're in the midst of it and this will ring true for you. But this is what the author says. It says, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. 
He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains, and though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He is hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. And it just goes on for 20 verses like this. And you're like, what in the world is this dude going through, right? But yet, you know what, you know what that feels like. You've been there. Like, it feels like the, the wheels are falling off. Everything's going wrong. God, why aren't you paying attention? What is happening? But yet, I love this chapter because it goes 20 verses just of gloom and doom. And then it turns a corner in verse 21. This is what the author says. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. He remembers the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I love this verse, even though it's so hard. 20 verses of just hard stuff, and then he turns a corner. In light of those 20 verses, how in the world could the author find hope? You know how? Yet I remember. I remember. The author remembered what God had done in the past, and it increased his faith, knowing that God could handle whatever was right in front of him. And I think that's what Habakkuk is doing. He's remembering. Let let me give you an example. It's in chapter 3, verse 3. He says, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. And from verses 4 all the way through 15, he does this exact thing. He talks about places. He talks about events. And for us reading it today here in 2022, a lot of this stuff is just lost on us. We don't get it. But if you were a part of the original audience, just this line alone would have rocked your world. He says, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. Now, those are spaces that meant something to them. He brings these up, and the, the original audience would have went, I know exactly what that is. That's when we were in Egypt, and we were slaves, and, and God sent the plagues, and, and hardened Pharaoh's heart, and finally, he's like, get out of here. And Moses let us out, and we went all the way down to the Red Sea, and we got to the Red Sea, and then Mo, uh, Pharaoh changed his mind. And he's bearing down on us, and we thought in that moment, we didn't have a way out. Like, there was no way God could save us in that moment. We thought we were dead. And God did a miracle. He split the Red Sea. And we crossed on dry ground. And then he wiped out Pharaoh's army. God did that. When we thought there was no way, he provided a way. He turned it around. And we found ourselves in Edom and Paran. It was a place of refuge for us. Where we dwelt upon what God had just done for us. See, the original audience would have got this. Let let me ask you, what's your Edom? What's your paw run? It could be a time. It could be a place. What is it that you go, God, 
loved me in that moment. God took care of me in that moment. God rescued me and redeemed me in that moment. What is it for you? I think for MVF, when we look back on it, I think we're going to say it was COVID. That first year of COVID, do you realize we weren't even in this building for 28 weeks and we had a mortgage? We just built this place. If you'd have asked me at the beginning and told me we were going to be in this for two years, I would have told you we're done. There's no way we're going to be able to make our bills. We're, we're going to... But you know what happened? But God. God provided. He took care of us. It was by the skin of our teeth, but he took care of us every step of the way. I, I know for Mountain View Fellowship, for our family here, uh, some of you are our Edom. Some of you are our power on. We, we talk about you because uh, you've shared stories about how you were going through treatments. And we prayed. And you went in and the doctor said, I can't explain it, but it's clear. And we're like, but God, right? Uh, some of you, your marriages, you wouldn't have given two cents for them. And yet today, here you are. And God has redeemed your marriage. Uh, for me personally, uh, I've got so many of these in my life. One, one of them is in that condo that I was talking about earlier, you know, where the, the baby powder was at. And uh, I was working two jobs and we couldn't make our bills. We were struggling to put food on the table and we were really struggling. And we were part of a church that was doing life groups. And, and our life group came to our house that week. And I remember thinking we're spending all the money that we had just to put some food on the table so that our friends could have something to eat. And we were, we were really nervous about it. We had a great night. We pretended, we smiled, but we were hurting. Our entire group left, and after they left, my wife says, hey, I didn't check the mail. Would you go down and check the mail? And I said, sure. And it was those condos, you know, that lead out into a hallway. They all have a shared hallway, and you go down, and then there's a bank of mailboxes, you know, like lockboxes. And so I went down and did the lockbox, and I opened up the box, and, and nobody in our group would ever, ever confess to it. But I know it was somebody, or the whole group maybe, I don't know. But there was an envelope of cash shoved in our, in our mailbox. God provided. What's your Edom? What's that moment when you know that God took care of you? Uh, I joke about being on my third wife um, because she's died a couple of times. I've had to revive her. I know it's a horrible joke, all right? I get it. It's not funny, but I still joke about it because I have no tact. Um, but my wife, we've lost her a few times. And, and unless you've been through something like that, you don't understand what that's like to, to have the doctors push you out of the room because all the monitors just went flat. And people are rushing into the room, and all you can do is go out in the hallway and just slide down the wall and just start praying. And it's not happened to me just once. It's happened to me twice. And then to hear the heart monitors start beeping again. Ding, ding. What's your Edom? What is it for you? Those moments that you remember that God is God, that he can do anything. We have so many of those in our lives. I could just go on for hours telling you about those in my lives. Now, does that mean that our life is perfect now? Absolutely not. You know that. And if I'm honest with you, I'll tell you this. Um, and I'm not telling you this because I want your pity, because I don't, okay? I'm just telling you this because I want you to know that none of us are immune to this. Pain and, and strife and trials, none of us are immune to it. Um, 
we're enjoying this last season as a church. Things are going great. You guys are, are you're living out the life of Christ. We're going to baptize some people tonight. So on a ministry level, we're doing amazing. It's just incredible to see what God is doing. But can I just share with you on a family level, we're devastated. It sucks being a Headley right now. Not just our, our personal family, our extended family. It, it, it's like everything crashed in the last year. I don't know what happened. And the only way I could describe it to my wife is I just said, my heart hurts. We weep and we cry and we pray over it and, and our heart's broken. We're struggling right now. There's times I come in here, I don't want to be up here because of what's going on in our personal life. It's just where we're at right now. But see, even in this, in this moment, when, when it just feels like my heart is so weighted down, I have to tell you that we're remembering what God has done in the past, and we're leaning into him for what he's going to do in the future, because I know he's going to turn things around, because that's just the kind of God that he is. And as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when things hit like this. We shouldn't. Remember what I read to you last week? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says, So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. We know that trials are going to come. If you're in a good moment right now, enjoy it, because it can change tomorrow. You know that. Now, what do we do when we are in the middle of the valley? You can't see the stars. What do you do if you're in the pit and you don't see any way out? Um, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, I think gives us some good direction. It says, I trembled inside when I heard this. Habakkuk's talking about the news that he got from God, that their enemies are going to come in and crush them. He says, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. Uh, he's remembering what God has done in the past. But second thing is he's accepting what God is going to do in the moment, in the present. He's accepting it. God, whatever this looks like, whatever today is, I'm going to accept it because I know that you're still in charge. I wish I could change the circumstances of my family, but I can't. I, I wish I could keep this friend of mine from making these stupid decisions, but I can't. And it's killing me. I want to. I wish I could get out of this season of trial and move into a better season and just force it and make it happen on my own, but I can't. But I know that God can. And I trust him because I know that he can. I've seen it in the past. And so I'm going to accept what's going on in the present. Now, I want you to know that accepting what God is doing in the present doesn't mean you're in denial. It doesn't mean you pretend. That's not what it means. It just means that we continue to trust we still pray for the miracles. We still, we still lean into to God for what he can do. But we accept whatever today looks like. We remember and we accept. Uh, but there's a third thing too, and that comes in verse 17 and 18. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, <laughs> I mean, what else can you throw on that, right? And then he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Even though life stinks right now, everything's going wrong. Can't find a job. I'm struggling in my relationships. I'm grieving, whatever it is. God, even, even now, 
I choose to rejoice. I choose to take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk says, look, I'm, I'm grieving with a heavy heart, but yet in this moment, I can still say that God is good. How? Well, because he remembered what God has done. He's accepting what God is doing in the present, but yet he also trusts what God is going to do. He's looking forward as well. Habakkuk says, look, this is a horrible season. I don't like it. I I wish I could change it, but I can't. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. I know who you were in the past. I know what you've done. I'm accepting what's happening today, but I'm also looking forward to what it is that you will do. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know what that is? That's praise before provision. That's what that is. Just praising God before God ever provides. Just knowing that he's still there. He hasn't forgot about you. He knows all the details And he will respond. Now, it might feel to you like the Babylonians have already come in and ravaged the landscape of your life. I get that. I know some of your stories. You're grieving deeply. Some of you have gone through a lot of loss recently. You guys are in a lot of pain. That's part of being a community as we we carry each other's burdens. And I know a lot of you are struggling with this right now. But even in the middle of your suffering, I want you to know that we can trust that God knows us, that he's with us. He knows every detail of what's going on in our lives. And if we lean into him, if we remember and we accept and we trust, what happens is we get to know his presence in the middle of pain. We get to trust his character even when we don't understand the circumstances. You might be thinking, you know what? God, this stinks. My spouse said, till death do us part, and they didn't hold up their end. God, I've been praying for healing, and yet report after report is going the wrong direction. God, I raised my kids to be better than this, and they keep making stupid decisions, and I'm worried about them. God, um, our finances, we're trying to honor you, but our finances are are just going downhill. I, I don't know how to turn things around. You know what you need to do in those moments? You need to start remembering what God has done in the past. Accept what he's doing today in the present. And I want you to start trusting him with what he will do in the future. See, it's in these trials of life where God actually does his miracles. It's in these moments that we get to grow it's in these moments where our faith explodes, where our, where our trust becomes unbreakable, where you and I get to learn that we have a living hope even in the midst of some of the most difficult circumstances in life. We get to lean into God. That is where our living hope is. Now, I want to end just a little bit differently today. So I want you to stand with me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read over you as a blessing, Romans chapter 5. We haven't read this yet in this series, and I just want to read this over to you as we wrap this up. Just kind of a blessing for each and every one of you today. And so Romans chapter 5 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now as your people, and we ask in this moment that you would just meet us where we're at. For those that are in the pit, those who are struggling, Lord, I pray that you would just 
Uh, Make your presence known. May you be as tangible to them as you have ever been. And God, I pray that in this moment we'd commit ourselves, that, that we would remember what you've done in the past. Bring to mind all of those times where you showed up and did what only you can do. And Lord, I pray that that would bolster our faith so that we might be able to accept what's happening today and look forward to what it is that you will do. God, we give you these things. We just ask that everything that we do and say glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. Use these things to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.